It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to the Locked On Nuggets podcast, your daily podcast on the Denver Nuggets. Now, here is your host from DenverStiffs.com, Adam Modest. Yes! Let's go, baby. Feel it! Two Nuggets fans and Matt Moore. The funky music is out for this very special occasion. For just the sixth time in my life, my 34 years, the Nuggets are in the second round of the playoffs. They get a big win in Game 7 in dramatic fashion. A close one, a nail-biter. They get a win at Pepsi Center over the San Antonio Spurs. I cannot wait to get to talk about this one. I'm so excited that I brought in a couple buddies. He's really excited. <laughs> Can confirm. Literally dance into this as it goes. The voices you are hearing seated across from me from DenverStiffs.com, it's Brendan Vogt. Howdy. Big win, folks. <laughs> also seated across from me, senior NBA writer for the Action Network, it's Matt Moore. They were not frauds indeed. And you can actually pick up our brand new, it's a great promo for me. You can can pick up the uh, brand new frauds, Mile High City frauds t-shirt that we have from D-Line Co. on DenverStiffs.com. Embrace it. Everybody hates the Denver Nuggets. Nobody believes in them. And everybody is wrong. It's so beautiful. <laughs> it is such a beautiful thing. I can't wait to see the victory lap you run one day if oh, they ever win this thing. <laughs> oh, yeah. If, are you kidding me? <laughs> of course. I'll need my own parade float. Um, so, guys, we're recording this. The audio, obviously, we're kind of in a big room. The audio is going to be a little bit different than usual. But um, we are recording this one in the bowels of Pepsi Center following Game 7. Immediate reactions, more or less, once we've gotten all the interviews and everything out of the way. Matt, I'm going to start with you. Um, just right off the top, let's talk about this game before we get to the series. Okay. This game, what first impression or what's your what's your thought of of how this game went? Uh, the better team won. <laughs> the better team executed. The better team had pace and focus. The better team got better looks. The better team uh, played better defense. The better team had better players step up. Um, there's a lot I think that you can kind of glean from this game in terms of uh, here's the biggest thing um i I've, i was talking to michael malone uh last year during a mid-season swoon and it was just driving him crazy just driving him crazy how this team would have games where they just did not show up yeah and i asked him i was like is it just that is that always gonna bug you as a coach he's like it does but it's also we can be so good matt yeah and i have this game, to me, in a season where we've seen them take so many steps, they, they came out, come out the gate and they get off to this great start, um, and they get the injuries and they find wins versus quality teams. Uh, they have opportunities along the way to clinch key sequences, and they do it. Their first opportunity to clinch versus Boston, they clinch the playoff spot. Their opportunity to beat Portland and clinch a top three seed, right. they clinch there. Yeah. Um, they have an opportunity to screw over Houston, and they get a, a great <laughs> loss on the road. Like, <laughs> Came in clutch. <laughs> and then in the final game, when they need when they needed it, they absolutely delivered. And in this one, it's just great to see 
everyone's talking about how they're inexperienced and so they, they're counting them out. I've never been around a team that has been able to find its way as much, mm. and it won't find its way all the way this season, but it's remarkable tonight that once again, up against it, when a lot of people, you know, they're the two seed and they're at home, and a lot of people pick Denver for good reason. Um, a lot of people pick Denver, but there was also a lot of people that were like, I don't know, man. That, it's like a they, lot do, of people. <laughs> do they do they have the mental toughness? Yeah, to yeah. get this done, and in the end, they did. Um, I thought the uh, the other thing I will say is this: they are we when they started off hot defensively, we were like, "This is great." We'll see if it holds. I tweet, I tweeted it out. I was like, you know what? This is the haymaker. They're not going to have the energy for four quarters of that level of yeah. defense, and and they didn't, and and they really. They fell off, but also a lot of it was like the Spurs just got so desperately aggressive in the yeah, fourth, yeah. and it was like right that moment the Nuggets were like, "I'm really tired right now. <laughs> I'm just really tired." But you know, and in these moments, in those moments, you need somebody to step up and make a play, and Jamal Murray made a friggin' play. Yeah, the defense is interesting because. You you talked about it, Adam. They had to get out to a hot start tonight, right? Mm-hmm. That was their best chance at at opening up a big lead that a team like the Spurs might not be able to erase. And to have the crowd into it the way they did, the rest of that game was blow for blow. And and, and the Spurs were chipping away. And it really did come down to that cushion. We talked all series long, can the Nuggets hit shots? Can the Nuggets hit shots? They couldn't hit shots tonight. But they won because of that cushion because they played the best defensive first quarter of their season. And I, I, I asked the players and the coaches about this tonight to really reflect on the dip. I mean, two years ago, they were among the worst defenses in the league. Last year, I wrote coming into this season, there was a chance it would be the worst defensive team of the millennium <laughs> right. yet. And they ended up being a top 10 defense. Yeah. And, and that's, to me, just something that I'm, I'm used to it now. Go for it. Keep going. I'm used to it now, like almost 90 games later or whatever, but it's really hard to keep that perspective. This team was abysmal on the defensive end, and they just won a series because of their defensive effort. It, they talked about it in the post game today. Somebody asked them about the, like what was the, the reason. And, and when people talk about a young team, I think sometimes you have to learn the hard way. And I think last year the Nuggets learned the hard way. Mm-hmm. That, you know what, defense you actually does take an enormous amount of effort, and it actually is really important. And this year, they're still learning that lesson, by the way. they're not cons- the, the consistency is probably the next lesson for this team to learn. But they have learned that. When their backs are against the wall and they need the tough win against Portland or the tough win throughout the, the different points of the season, their defense is what steps up. And yep. tonight, San Antonio had four points halfway through the first quarter. Mm-hmm. Halfway through the first. Mm-hmm. And, it, you know, look, I'm, I've studied all these playoff games and I obsess over them and I cover everything in detail. And I try and get a sense for when are you missing shots and when is the, the defense forcing you into bad possessions? And the Utah Jazz missed a lot of open shots versus the Houston Rockets because Houston forced them into bad shots right. that were open. Yeah. They were bad open shots. Mm-hmm. In this game, all throughout the game, Denver did not. Denver allowed, I think, six really good looks for the Spurs the entire game. Yeah. Like six really good looks. Spurs had to make some tough ones. And they, just made, to, they yeah. made five of them because they're yeah. the Spurs, and that's why they're unkillable. But the rest of the time, it was and, – and, like, you look at the end. Like, DeMar DeRozan tries to take on himself. They force him into a contested fadeaway. They trusted the defense. They don't foul. He misses. He gets to the rim. Torrey Craig makes an incredible block. Like, all of these sequences yeah. are, are vital for their ability to convert this game into a win. Yeah. And it's elevated their baseline, right? Because 
a year ago, if if this team's not hitting shots, they're not winning games. Yeah, 100%. They're, they're, they're definitely yeah. not winning a series. 100%. And, yep. and Millsap was asked, you know, what's one thing he's learned about Jokic this year and the way he's grown? And he went straight to defense. Mm. And that was the thing that he had to learn was that sometimes being the leader and being the best player, playing for each other, as Malone likes to say, means stepping up on the defensive end. Obviously, this team, the Spurs, is not the type of offense – that forces us to answer these questions we all have about Jokic in the playoffs mm-hmm. as a pick-and-roll defender. But we know this, man, positionally, that guy can get it done. And the effort he gave against Aldridge all season long, or all series long, rather, um, was, a, was a, a big game-changer, big factor. I want to talk about that in the next segment. But to, to wrap this one up, I and I, I butchered this question. I tried to lob at Malone after the game. But I, I thought this game was sort of a microcosm of their season. In, in that they're really talented. They're more talented than the Spurs. And they bent right to the point of breaking but didn't break. And to right. me, that's just the story of this Nuggets team. And what I think is cool, and I don't think this is going to be the narrative that people know about this team nationally because there's a lot of, oh, it's a soft team. They're a finesse team. This team has some spine. They have some fight in them that I don't I think that it has been talked about really. The Spurs tried to beat them with grit. Yeah. They tried to grind them down, and, and I think everyone expected them. Everyone that was counting them out expected them to fold because of that, yeah. because they can't handle the kind of game. They can't yeah. handle when it's when it's when it's winning, which was also kind of stupid because you're relying on Lamarcus Aldridge and Demarcus Rosen. <laughs> but like, you're you're also the, a lot of the whole thing was like you're focusing on on that, and at the end of it, like no, like the the Nuggets said, all right, let's do it, let's go. Yeah, and t- let's also be real clear here, like. So many guys, like Jokic was phenomenal the whole way. Jamal responded so huge from yeah. his start in the first game and a half. Like he finished, I looked at his numbers, like 19 and four with only two turnovers a game, which is, by the way, right. crucial in the yeah, series. Huge, yeah. Like not turning the ball over um, on 45% shooting, 34%. Like he shot poorly in the first two games and he still came out and was a huge plus, a 112 offensive rating for the series mm. when everybody thought that this was like a, because of how ugly it was. The reality is that was a really low possession series because right. that was the only way San Antonio was going to win. Yeah. And those are the kind of games where you can buckle and you can fade and instead the Nuggets made the plays that you have to and got it done. And I think anyone that's been watching this team closely for two years is not surprised by that fight. We have right. seen that sort of formula. Are you? I, I, I'm a little surprised and the reason I think Not I'm, this year for me. I, yeah, I think I'm, not this year. I think I'm a little surprised and the reason I think I'm a little surprised is that there are so many moments where it, where that grit and and that fight, that toughness that you need, it's not about the willingness to get on the floor. This isn't college basketball. Right. It's not about your willingness to like reach in or take a hard foul. It's about are you willing to stay focused and not give up an easy basket, those baskets that you see all throughout the regular season, open layup, Malone timeout. And they just they gave up so few of those yeah. in this series right. versus a team that specifically that's what they want to catch you in. They know they don't have the offensive personnel. They're looking to create easy baskets, and they never let them do that. Let's take a quick break here. When we get back, I want to go deeper on some of the key players and key pieces, even Michael Malone uh, in the second segment. We'll be right back. This is Jake from Locked On. Locked On has teamed up with State Farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in NBA history. After beating the Heat led by LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in 2011, Dirk Nowitzki won an NBA title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. But there was one player in the starting lineup for the last three games of the finals that helped support Dirk all the way to a championship, J.J. Barea. 
Led by JJ and Jason Terry, the Mavs' second unit proved to be the strength throughout the playoffs, where they led the NBA in bench scoring. But for games 4, 5, and 6 in the NBA Finals, Mavs coach Rick Carlisle inserted Berea into the starting five to help the Mavs space the floor and put more playmaking around Dirk. J.J. Barea had a knack for running the pick-and-roll with Dirk that helped the Mavs score more efficiently on their run to a title. Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score the way he did if he didn't have much-needed support from someone like J.J. Barea. Sometimes, you and I need that kind of support, too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. I'm back here with Matt Moore, senior NBA writer at the Action Network. Brendan Vote, DenverStips.com. Not senior writer. So you are. You know what? I who did I elevate to senior writer the other day? Was it uh, probably Ryan? I think Ryan. It I took, think uh, you're ready. It took me. It took me eight years to get that title. Really? That's it a real me, title. I, I worked. Chasing? I worked really hard. I never got it at CBS. And oh then, wow! And then at Action, they were like, "I was like, I need a title," and they were like, "Oh, you're senior NBA writer," and I was like. <laughs> Single tear just rolls down. The <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe I should make Brendan earn it a lot more. Right, right. you're junior NBA. Yeah, for sure. Like yeah, you're junior. Uh, this series, guys, there's some really interesting players. We kind of, I'm going to come back to Murray, but we have to start at the top, which which was Nikola Jokic. Um, you know, it's funny. His numbers are kind of in line with his per 36. As I was just looking at him, it's just that he played 37 minutes. Uh, I'll start with you on this one, Brendan. Just grade or analyze his series. Sure. I mean, were you surprised? I guess maybe by anything he did. No, uh, maybe the defensive effort. I know. Yeah. I know positionally, like we know he's some of that criticism is isn't fair. But he was a very good defensive player in this series, and that did surprise me. The rest of it, no. I mean, we've been asking each other, does Jokic have another gear? And I think most of us felt like he did. And because we saw it in small in small, moments, like yeah. in big moments, yeah, in big moments, and. Game one, despite 10-14-14, I thought he was rattled. I mean, some of those shots weren't even close. But for him to sort of respond and by the end of the series be the best player on the floor, maybe the best two-way player on the floor, which is crazy to even say out loud, um, that was really cool to see and, and I guess a little surprising. I want to interject here. My The way I would analyze game one versus the rest I think Jokic is a bit like LeBron in this way. He's a, thinks the game more okay. than he more than I mean he feels it too. But I'm saying he's a guy that I think game one they were sending the double. He was feeling everything out. I think he learned, and this is a lesson. It's been four years in the making. I think he learned. I got to take 20 shots in the series every game, and I got to be aggressive. And he did every other game. It's wild that he figured out something that took LeBron the most humiliating finals loss in history to learn. Um, because it's true. Uh, look, I was there in 2011. One of the things was the, the mixed zone that the Mavericks threw him. LeBron couldn't figure it out because there wasn't a clear answer to what's the right play. And yeah. he talked about it later that the best way to attack a defense that has you confounded is attack. Just yeah. go at it. And he went at it over and over and over again. None of the shots that he whiffed in the fourth quarter tonight were bad looks. They're not yeah. shots I don't want Jokic taking right. because you want your superstar trying to carry you. And if, if, if Jokic goes out because his close-up you know, two-foot hook shots and tip-ins and turnarounds go rattle around the rim and bounce out, you'll live with that. Like, you'll go down with that because he didn't buckle from it. He didn't defer. He didn't fade away. He kept shooting. He kept going at him because that was the play to make. <laughs> and understanding that moment. And it's also the attention that he drew. How much of that opened up Jamal to get him going? 
Like, how yeah. much did Jokic's presence, where the Spurs were just like, God, we just got to send, like, four dudes at him. There were so many times when Jamal, like, that's why they ran, that's also why Jamal ran pick and roll with him about 500 times. Because right. Jamal knew they were going to help down, and Jamal knew, I'm going to get an open look. Right. And at the end, like, honestly, yes, it was a two-point game, and yes, they, they got the stop on the other end, so it, it wasn't like the clincher. But going up four in that situation, is, like, that's a tough-ass shot that Jamal Murray made. In that yeah. final, in those final five seconds, it's like that's why you drafted him. That right there is why you drafted him. Pretty full circle too. A lot of poetry in, in Jamal hitting that in shot series. in that moment in Game Seven. Well, let's talk about him. Then. Well, actually, first I want to put a button on Yoke. We watched all the first round. Both of you guys watched a lot. Jokic, top five player in the first round, top ten player. Would you say? Matt, I'll defer to you here. Uh, I think Dame's number one. Dame's one. <laughs> Dame's one. Kawhi's two. Katie's three. Fair. Um, you're probably going to have to get to – Kyrie wasn't that good. I'm, like, going down the list of teams that are in there. Um, Harden wasn't that good. Yeah, he's probably top five. Probably I top would, five. I would, I would give him top five status. Yeah. Like, Dane takes up three spots. <laughs> and then, like, Kawhi, KD, and, and Jokic are in the top six. And then you factor in the context that, of course, this is his first time and he's so young and – if you're not impressed, it's a you problem. You yeah, know? Game Six was a masterpiece that sadly gets swept under. I don't think it'll get swept under the rug. But, how, but, it, it but was... I think that's one thing that you specifically, <laughs> but also like Nuggets fans, like really need to take joy in before this next series starts. That that classic, amazing game from Jokic was wasted in a loss, but that's not the story. Oh, you yeah. don't walk yeah. away from this as yeah. Thank because God. if they lost, it would have been got to get Yoke more help. Got to get yeah, Jokic at um, Denver. Got to get him somewhere where he can win. A different kind of annoying narrative. Yeah, yeah get him somewhere where he can they win. They avoided <laughs> the, the, the Nuggets. The, they would have gone immediately to, like, where could Jokic be traded to? Yeah, going for the him. Nuggets dodged about seven narrative bullets with this win over the San Antonio Spurs as a seven seed tonight. Uh-huh. Um, all right, let's talk about Jamal. Because, to me, he has the greatest story arc of the series. Yeah. I was tough on him. I was really tough, and I think fairly so. I mean, he was really, really bad in games one and two, other than the one quarter. And game three was one of the biggest butt whoopings. I thought he was really good the rest of the way. I don't know. It's really incredible, too, versus future MVP Derek White. Um, I think... <laughs> you are so petty. <laughs> I, I am. I am. No, I, I thought, honestly, like... Um, to that point, Derek White was like... It didn't even talk about him today. The last three, games, uh, last three right? or four games. He shot, he shot thirty-six percent since his uh, big game three, and he was a minus one, th- uh, minus uh, thirteen with a one hundred and twelve defensive rating over the last four games. Some of this has to be the switch, though, right, from Jamal mm-hmm. to Gary? because so, to answer oh, your course. first question, Which, to we, answer your first, yeah. that's why I think it was fair to be harsh on Murray. Yeah. It wasn't just that and he look, wasn't Br- making shots. Look, Brent Forbes hit, hit about four just absolute crucial shots in the Spurs comeback right. tonight, and they were all because of Jamal. Yep. Like Jamal's still Jamal, but here's the thing. Like when you draft Jamal Murray, you're not drafting lockdown defender. You're not, and you're not drafting Monte Morris, like solid all-around smart playmaker. You're you are drafting a guy that can score. What was it? What was it in game two? Twenty-one. Was in the fourth? Yeah. Yeah, twenty-one in the fourth, and hit the the fadeaway leaning contested, uh, very Demar Derozan only. He's got better shot selection. Shot to put them up four in those closing moments. Like, that's why you draft Jamal. And he honestly, like, he got that offense going in the third quarter, too. When the Spurs started kicking it up in the third, Jamal started popping off to get him back. And, like, they were just trading buckets. So the Spurs couldn't get that momentum to overtake them. Like, the Nuggets never trailed tonight in large part because of how Jamal Murray played. And the other thing is, 
him only averaging 1.9 turnovers in this series, yeah. I cannot stress yeah. enough yeah. how no, how 100%. big that is. They got out of the series with Derek White and all those Spurs players hounding him and wanting to attack his dribble, and he managed to get out of that averaging 1.9 turnovers. The biggest thing he can't do versus the Spurs is make mistakes, and Jamal Murray was very mistake low after game one. Yeah, and I think, look, the final month of that regular season, probably the best we've seen Murray play as a point guard in terms mm-hmm. of, of running the offense. It went all down the drain, games one through three. But towards the end of the series, to Matt's point here, he was manipulating, right? Sometimes Jamal just reacts, but he was anticipating. He was manipulating. He was aware of Jokic's gravity, and he used it to his own advantage. So I I agree with everything you said. You're drafting a specific type of guy in Jamal. Um, Maybe this is credit to Jamal. I think some of it to Malone here as well. He is actually learning in some of these areas, and there has been growth. And I, so we saw that for sure in the final three games. Consistency is the thing for him, and it will be. And that's like the next step for him. But at his best, he really – I really do think that this team, he's the most important player. Like, Jokic is the most important player, but he's already good all the time. Like, right. his worst game is he's still really good. It's yeah. just a given now. But Murray is that guy that when he's good, the Nuggets are a legitimate top three or four team in the Western Conference this year and, and rising. Um, Michael Malone had his first playoff series. I'll start with you on this one, Brendan. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if it's the work that he did in the series so much as it's the foundation he's built over the last four years. Okay. Some of the messages that have been important to him in terms of proper motivations, focus, the defensive end, which I can't stress enough, was a lost cause. Every every writer in town... <laughs> you have stressed it enough, but you can't stress no, it. No, honestly, right. I mean, I had, I had conversations with people in the team who were like, look, we understood that this was not going to be a good defensive team. We, yeah. we In the summer, we wanted to be the best offense we could. And, and so it, I don't think it's like little tweaks he made in the series so much as there was vindication from Malone and some of these long-term points that he's really been trying to hammer home. Yeah. I completely disagree. Um, <laughs> the biggest thing, and not that, that I disagree, well, I don't completely disagree because you're absolutely right um, on all that, but the thing is, except that the tweaks in the series, uh, he outcoached Greg Popovich. He did, and people are going to point to this going seven and the Spurs being a seven seed. This series was long because the Nuggets shot really poorly in game one, and the Nuggets shot really poorly in game six. This series should have been over in five. And I'm not just saying that as revisionist. I truly believe that having watched all the possessions. Mm -hmm. The Nuggets generated better offense. The Nuggets provided better defense. And his adjustment on Terry Craig turned the series. Do you know how ballsy it is to take a second-year guy that was in the D-League last year and had to get called up and put him into a playoff game and say... This is what fans don't res- respect nearly enough. I need you to turn. I think it's an easy, like, you're playing 2 and, right, and he's right. And he's telling Will Barton, a guy that he loves, who's loves. coming to this team, who's the heart and soul, of, honestly, of that locker room, and telling them, dude, I gotta set you down. I know you're gonna hate it. I know it. I love you. Fans do not appreciate this. They never will. That's and, why we, we all say it. They all think we're, like, some kind of biased or whatever. It's like, guys, you just don't see. You don't, you don't see, see how it, it is. Yeah. These then, decisions are tougher than you think. And yeah. it's so... And, the, and making those calls. Um, and, and actually, pulling, I should say this. The decision, I think, was obvious. Pulling it off in a way that didn't have buckle. a negative effect yeah. is, is the almost impossible. Um, honestly, this is a dumb one because it seems... So, this is another one that seems obvious to everybody. Do you know how hard it is to be like, I'm going to ride my star into the ground. I'm not going to rest yeah. him. I'm playing him. I can't afford ma- ma- minutes yeah. with Mason Plumley because he's just the series was not for Mason Plumley. Next, and also he had some huge plays in the first half tonight. 
Um, but they couldn't afford to take him off the floor in the second half, and they rode out Jokic. And you could say, and if they'd lost, it would have been like, why didn't you get him more minutes rest? That was the wrong play. The right play was to say, Nikola Jokic is our best player. We played him 31 minutes per game this season to make sure that he had the energy <laughs> right, right. to do this. That's why we rest him, well, is, to get, is to get this moment right here. You think Jokic's going to lose weight during the playoffs? <laughs> Like, yes. I think he will, too. Yes. I kind of feel like if this series goes... Like, if they made it to Western Conference Finals, I think Yoke might be, like, the leanest he's been yes. all year. January 1st will always be, like, his apex, and now as long as the Nuggets are in the playoffs, <laughs> like, May will be his lowest point, and then it'll still go back around. I, I just think that Malone... Like, I, I'm in the bag for Michael Malone, and, like, I got a cop to that. I just... I've loved everything about what he said since he got here. Um, there are things that he does that cost the team. There are decisions that he's made that has been have been... Bad, but when I wrote a big thing on him, it was about he learns from his mistakes. Yeah, and I just say I always wondered if he would be a better playoff coach than a regular season coach. And people are going to point to them going to seven games and be like, "Well, I don't know about that." Pop, no, I'm telling you right now, Michael Malone won the coaching matchup. And I think flipping that switch for him is is not easy. He, like, in terms of okay, I got to put Craig in for Barton now and and forget how Barton feels or, or trusting Craig. Like, it's about winning this game. Malone really does want to do the teaching moment stuff. He really does want to take the long-term view. Look at Jamal on Derek White. He could have made that switch in game two, but he didn't because he wanted to challenge Jamal. Now, Jamal didn't necessarily step up, but like I do think that is uh, there's, there's some conflict in Malone in terms of trying to win tonight's game versus trying to teach his young guys the right lessons. Malone is principled. And I think like that as much as anything serves him, and, and it's also the flip side of principled is stubborn, and like he is yeah. he is sort of that as well in a bad way. But I do think that the things that he is stubborn about in a negative way are somewhat diminished, I think, by the overarching fact that his team knows who he is and what yes. he's about, and, yes. and there's consistency with him there. Um, what about the rest of the Nuggets? Um, is there anybody else that you think deserves sort of their own to be highlighted in their own way? I thought everybody else was kind of a role player in the series, more or less. Matt, was it Paul Millsap? That, that Paul one? Millsap led the team in raw plus minus. In Not surprising. Than all the other players. Um, Millsap's, you know, it's funny, Rudy Gay turned game six around. And Rudy Gay kept him in it, honestly, in this one late. But <laughs> Rudy Gay also had a miserable series, and a lot of that was because yeah. Paul Millsap put him in the torture rack for four games. Um, and that work in those first four games is just as important as the work in the last uh, three. Um, you know, actually, I thought, I think Gary Harris is going to be the one that nobody, like, nobody's going to talk about. It's his lot in life. That's his lot. Nobody's going to talk about it. He didn't get the, the game winning, the, the, the clinching shot. He didn't have the big play, the block at the end. All Gary Harris did was play great defense on slippery guards and um, oftentimes in size mismatches, make the smart plays, get to the rim, consistently keep their offense up when things were going sideways. He was the guy that would be like, let's run DHO and we'll get a bucket and we'll get ourselves right. And Jamal is going to be up and down, and he and Jamal are such a fascinating like counter of one another. Yeah, Yeah. I agree. Um, And the one thing I do know is like more than anything, after emotional, crazy game like this, the two guys I know are going to be ready on Monday that I have zero questions about are Paul Millsap and Gary Harris. Gary Harris, man, part of me thinks he didn't have a podium game this whole series. He nope. never came to the podium. I think I, part of me thinks he already got paid. I think he's kind of happy with that. I don't think he likes the, the podium or even the spotlight, to be honest. Uh, let's take one last break. When we come back, we're going to put a button on this or, or a bow. We put a button on it or a bow, on, a bow it? on it? You put a bow on it. We'll button up this, seri- this series and move on to the next one when we come back. This is Jake from Locked On. 
Locked On has teamed up with State Farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in NBA history. After beating the Heat led by LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in 2011, Dirk Nowitzki won an NBA title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. But there was one player in the starting lineup for the last three games of the finals that helped support Dirk all the way to a championship, J.J. Barea. Led by J.J. and Jason Terry, the Mavs' second unit proved to be the strength throughout the playoffs, where they led the NBA in bench scoring. But for games 4, 5, and 6 in the NBA Finals, Mavs coach Rick Carlisle inserted Barea into the starting five to help the Mavs space the floor and put more playmaking around Dirk. J.J. Barea had a knack for running the pick-and-roll with Dirk that helped the Mavs score more efficiently on their run to a title. Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score the way he did if he didn't have much-needed support from someone like J.J. Barea. Sometimes, you and I need that kind of support, too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. All right, here, final segment here. Brendan Vogt, DenverStiffs.com, Matt Moore, senior NBA writer, the Action Network. And um, here's my biggest takeaway from this series. In addition to Denver moving on, which I think there would be a whole different set of takeaways. Like it or not, there would be different narratives and different takeaways. But the biggest takeaway for me is that I think the Nuggets had the perfect series for their first time. Again, this is the eighth youngest team in NBA playoff history. It's not appreciated enough. This team... Malone says this was a series of firsts for everybody. They had their first playoff game. They had their first playoff game from behind. They had their first playoff game on the road, at home. First playoff game ahead. First game seven. They had every experience all wrapped up in one playoffs. And I think, we talked about the growth of Jamal Murray. I think all of these guys and this team collectively grew up a lot in this series. Am I wrong? No, you're not. Uh, The Spurs were... The most mentally tough, most consistent, most disciplined team that you were going to face in these in this first round, um, that were also not good enough to beat them. Uh, any other team that had given any other team of the their possible opponents, from the Thunder to the Jazz to the Clippers, um, any of those other three teams would have beaten them had they given the kind of consistent effort that San Antonio did. If they had the kind of game plan that San Antonio did. Um, and if the Nuggets had missed the shots that they did. The the Spurs can't have that snowball. Like, they got up 2-1, and I, they just their, their peak isn't that high from their mean. Yeah. But, like, the Thunder, if the Thunder got up 2-1, Westbrook goes, like, 6 for 10 from 3 that four, game 4. Mm-hmm. So yeah, the Spurs falling. didn't have that. Yeah, and so um, the differential is, is huge here in terms of what they were able to get. Um, I also think that just, like, uh, you know, they got the, uh, the range of experiences you mentioned, not just those things, but think of it. You had your... Game one, out of the box, it's the Nuggets. Everybody's expecting them to be frauds, and they shoot apocalyptically <laughs> bad, right? And a miserable game. Game two, it's like, you better not lose this one, or it's 0-2 going to San Antonio, and things get dire. They, they find a way to get the huge performance in the fourth quarter to rally and sneak out a win. They lose game three because they were always going to lose game three because it was their first road game. They get a road win in San Antonio. That was nuts, man. That Most, that's nuts. the backbone, man. Yeah. That's the backbone we're talking about. <clears throat> and play your and one of your best games. That was games, a great game. One of your best games of the series. Yep. Um, they come back home. They tilt things back in their favor with a, 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 you know, let's get back control of the series. Found their groove. They lose game six again because of, like, played badly, shot badly. Spurs went nuts. Like, Spurs came back and showed, like, this is the kind of team we are. We're going to hit you with everything. We're going to hit you with the kitchen sink. Game seven. 
the Spurs, they play awesome defense. The Spurs miss everything on the shots that they want, which are admittedly terrible, but they still missed all of them, like even worse than they should. They blow a lead. It gets down to two, but they never trail. Yeah. They don't lose the lead. They hold on. They make the key plays. And then in the end, in really incredible fashion, San Antonio is a team that lacks the disappointment <laughs> mental toughness at the end. Um, although people will forget this because that's going to be the conversation tomorrow because yeah. we tear apart losers. The Nuggets were up four at that point. With 24 Lamar- seconds LaMarcus left. Aldridge could have fouled. They're going to hit one or two free throws. At, at least. Mo- at Jamal least. Murray, Nikola Jokic probably hitting both. but at least And then one. a team that doesn't shoot threes is trying to generate three-pointers <laughs> in order Good to catch point. up. Yeah, They were done. Brendan, what did you think as that play unfolded? <laughs> I, I literally don't even, didn't know what to think. Like There weren't words going through my mind. Like You're just sitting there... Thinking, I must be wrong. Yeah, like, I, I, must, same thing. I, must I was like, I was like looking at the clock, and I was, I was like looking at the score. I was like, they're not up. Like, Wait, oh, maybe you it, don't fall down for with twenty eight uh, seconds. I was like, I was like, is is the score wrong? Does right. like Pop know? Like right. Pop must know. Right, Pop must like, know. Pop, right, Pop must know. They're only down two. And then and then it wasn't five seconds long. It wasn't six seconds long. It was like twelve, 12 seconds. seconds. My jaw, I mean, no, they did. The they fell the whole time. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like that's how long ran off the clock. Oh yeah, it wasn't just like it took them five. And then. And then they just like dribbled it out. They were just like they gave up. They were just like, well, I guess there goes that. <laughs> that was the weirdest. Feel- you know what's funny? Back in the day, back if you ever watched these old '80s classics, there's so much fewer TV timeouts and regular timeouts that almost all the endings ended that way. Yeah, with just like no timeout, no advancing the ball. Just maybe I, I was wondering if you guys agree with this, and, and maybe I'm wrong, but strangely, I got the sense that this Spurs team was like aware of their ceiling. Do you know what I mean? Yes. And, and then game four and game six, it felt like look they they were look. they were closer to look. quitting. They were closer to quitting than I can't handle this take, even though it might be true. Look, is it too? No, I'll tell you. This is it too is, much? I'm, I'm, I believe in the subconscious. Here's the thing. Like, Here, you know, here's the, the thing. Um, I'm trying to think of like what the performance would be. You've written things that you've been super proud of. And so even when you write something that's like good, you're like it was good. But you before you had written that previous piece, you might have been like. This is great, and yeah. now you're like it's only good because yeah, I know yeah. I've written better. Every time I've ever. I'm written sorry to tell you that's <laughs> that's honestly 100% Greg Popovich, and I swear to God, it's I saw him in 2013 and 2014. He knows what a great team looks like. He knows that 2016 that was a great team. He knows what a great team looks like, and he knew that this one was not it. Like one of the, at one point in the series, they asked him what they needed to do, and he said, "Have better players." <laughs> Really? Did he really like, say that? It, or it was no. I guess. But I guess it could be true. I guess, yeah, I was say there's no way. I guess it was. I guess it was. They've got to play better. Yeah, um, that sounds right. I do think that that was like kind of the sense I get though. It's just like I look this this Spurs team honestly like as much as they're tough and this is a quality win. This is never supposed to be the Spurs team. Yeah, like it was supposed to be Kawhi Leonard, Dejounte Murray leading this seems, team. Seems pretty good. Yeah, like I don't. <laughs> I don't feel like Popovich is filled with disappointment right now. No, and honestly, I don't think he's gonna. He's got. Well, so much he has perspective. good perspective. Yeah. He has yeah. good perspective, especially with what's going on yeah. in his personal life, and he just has it now. But at the same time, I, I do think that I don't know how much this team. Well, let me put it this way: I think the young guys in this team that were part of the Spurs core, the Spurs system, are very much invested. Yeah, I think their free agents and their trade acquisitions, to put this gently, may not be quite on the same wavelength and you caught that with some of the comments that were kind of slipped out tonight and I I just think that there's Spurs guys and there's guys that happen to be Spurs right now the Nuggets season validated yeah I mean yes first of all I think 
what they did in the regular season should have stood on its own. Yeah. It would have been brutally disappointing to lose in round one to to a team like the Spurs and, and deal with those narratives. But now we just don't have to deal with that, right? Now, now what we all know to be true is presented as the case, and we can we can put our heads on our pillow with, uh, I, I don't know, maybe less anxiety. Carmelo Anthony was here for an honest-to-God golden era of the Denver Nuggets. Maybe not the, but a golden era. He won two series. Two. In one year. And one, it all happened in one season. Look, but this, yeah. is a, this is a real moment, and, and much like Portland winning that series, it's, it's, it's funny to look at the title or bust sort of yeah. mentality and the way that it permeated this league for different reasons, Portland and Denver. But with Denver, did I just upset you? No. Um, <laughs> with Denver, yes, this is a team that has championship aspirations one day and can improve down the line. But th- this is a team that like wanted to win this series, wanted to give their fans in this city this moment had the risk of losing the trust of a fickle fan base and some local media who hammer them. All this stuff mattered. And the fact that the Nuggets are never going to win a title this year is irrelevant, and it doesn't change that. There was a lot of pressure, and there was a lot at stake. And so, I don't know, I just I thought Denver kind of presented the case for why title or bust is, is a load of crap. Um, I also think that that team necessarily, doesn't necessarily think that they don't have a chance. I think that team genuinely believes that they have a chance. I think they're wrong, right? right. But I think it's good that they they believe it. The other thing I would say is this: <clears throat> um, for two months, the visiting beat writers that I've known around this league and national writers that I've known for years have come into this town and told me, you know, all those West teams, they all want the Nuggets. They right? Know. Yeah. They all want them. nobody. Hey, you know what I heard? I heard nobody's scared of the Nuggets. And my response is always the same. Like, of course not. Who the fuck's going to be scared of the Nuggets? Right. Like, who's scared of the Nuggets? Right. Especially when put up against but the Rockets and Warriors. I mean, this is the dumbest yeah. thing. <laughs> but I always, I always say the same thing is we don't know. We don't know about this team. You can't count them out. You can't count them in. <laughs> One thing about this team, it does feel like they always play just well enough to win. Yep. So the fact that they won in Game 7 in the final yep. moments is kind, kind of fitting. It kind of feels um, like. <laughs> so I, I think the biggest thing is like, uh, yeah. They went from out of the playoffs to they are now a second-round team. And a lot of teams never get there. I've seen a right. lot of teams make jumps, and then they lose that first-round series, and that's the last you hear of them. And look, I, I don't mean to <laughs> I'm not going to be a downer, because um, this is a time... My, it's just important to me that Nuggets... I've been preaching this to you on this podcast. It's important that Nuggets fans just love the hell out of this year. Yes. Because yeah. things continue to go your way. Like, things continue to break right for you. And as long as you're that, you write it. And if you put up a fight versus Portland or you beat Portland, then it's awesome. But honestly, right now, you made the second round. You're hosting a second round series. The season's validated. There's nervous energy with the fan base. Do you think that there's less nervous energy in the next round? Yes, I absolutely I do too. Because losing in the second round is not... I think everyone's aware that there's a ceiling to it, this. It goes from nervous to excited. Yes. Yeah. It's Let's no, be excited. Oh, it's I no longer. Wait. It's no longer, God, I hope they don't screw this up. It goes to, we can beat these guys. Yeah. We can make the Western Conference Finals. And maybe, like, the Warriors will get raptured into like, get dusted by Thanos. Like they, The Warriors series is the one where Jamal gets to shoot, like, eight three, eight, they, yeah. 18 threes a game and yeah. just be like, hey, well, there's nothing to combat, it's, you know, whatever. It's the Warriors. Yeah. yeah, so, like, that's the thing. And so, like, look... Um, this next series is going to be fascinating. It's going to be intense. It's a divisional rival. It's a divisional rival second round series. Of course, it's these two teams, right? I mean, they, they've been so bizarrely intertwined, mm-hmm. despite being in such different places. Yeah, their their stories have have crossed. Thank God, Nurk's not playing this. Then, then the nerves would actually. I don't. I think they would only losing the Nurk, losing the Nurkic in the oh second, in the second round would be tough. Um, 
I mean, it sucks. I think it sucks that Nurkic is out. Like, I of think course. It's, I think it's a bummer. I think it's it's unfortunate because honestly, like, I would I think that there's I would be more actually interested to see that to be like. Let's right, let's show it. Oh, what let's an awesome! Like, what it's an like awesome a Greek mythology. You yeah. have to like go back and face. You know, like yeah, you have to go the hardest. I'm going to be very interested to see one where the money comes in on the series, and two, the, what the perception is like from national writers, etc., in picks because oh, everybody already know the answer to the second question. I don't know. Mm. No, I'm serious. Could, I'll tell you this because there are narrative writers, and those are all going to go for Dame. Dame, like I'm, Dame's got them it's all good in the pocket. Man, it's great narrative. Yeah. He's, I'd read that. he's like he's beloved right now. Yeah. But all the hardcore analysts, your Ben Golliver's, yeah. your Lowe's. your Lowe's, especially after this series, like there's gonna be a lot of people there. Like, look, I had questions about him because I didn't know if Jokic could do it, and I didn't know if they could beat the Spurs. Jokic did it, and they beat the Spurs. And so I'm gonna be curious if everybody. But honestly, if everybody counts them out, all the better. You got home court. I'll, I'll say one thing about this series that I th- <laughs> maybe I'm wrong, Matt. You can tell me about this. Here's one narrative I think will prevail. I think everybody realizes that Jokic is the reason this team is great. And it's funny hearing the MVP conversation because a lot of people would say, like, well, Jokic, it's more of a balanced approach in Denver. Like, Giannis and, and Harden, that's them and everybody else. I think everybody has – you have to watch this and be like, Jokic is incredible every single night. The other guys kind of rotate around him being being incredible, but he's the guy. Um, I think you, – you told me when I was bagging on Derek White because um, everybody that does draft work – thought that he was going to be awesome and were patting themselves on the back after his performance. Again, he shot 36% the rest of the series with a minus 14. Matt's um, been on this show, for, I think, four times <laughs> in the series. And he's thrilled he's with this thrilled result. With this exact result. Um, uh, again, Derek White's, I think Derek White's going to be actually a great player. Like, yeah. I loved it. I loved it. It's, more, it's not about him. It's about the conversation. But the one thing I tell you is, the reason I bring that up, Adam, is don't worry about, like, the negative in terms of, like, people wondering about Jokic. I would tell you this. The like the important people that well, you, course, who's, yeah. no, I'm serious though the the people whose whose opinion you actually like want to respect and he, and here's the thing it's the casual fans are like Jokic is awesome Do you see him he put up 43 points and like he was incredible in that game and then the hardcore analysts are like Jokic is incredible do you realize like what his offensive rating is and like his defense in that series is really good and like he made key plays there do so you realize so that he pe- touches the ball in every single possession and he averaged 1.7 assists an entire so, series. so it's every it's it's the people in the middle that are decided to be divisive are only doing it for a purpose. So it's like you can just go ahead and, and be like you don't have to. I, I would advise you to be like I don't have to silence the haters. It, there's silence. Well, it's I've been over. that way for two years. I mean, honestly, I have been that way for two years. I do worry about the so narrative because it's released annoying. a piece on a. And it's the first time I talked about. It. It's the first time yeah, in two years saying, I've ever addressed it. It's a good piece. <laughs> it, it was a, it was the right I, time. I, I have a question, and Matt, this one's for you. I mean, you've warned me time and time again to be skeptical or at least take regular season matchup data with a grain of salt mm-hmm. when you when you move into the playoffs. But what about things like mental edge? And, and for me, this team following the Nurkic trade was scared to play Portland, I thought, for almost two seasons. That was completely out the window this year. And all four times, well, the three times they went against that team trying to win, they looked in full control, fully confident, like they loved this matchup. The guys in the locker room told me tonight they loved that matchup. Can mental edge matter? Can it carry over? And do you agree that Denver's maybe sort of turned the tide in that regard? Two things. Um, one, uh, I believe – I don't know whether it, it's one including the tank job or one plus the tank job, uh, but I believe they've only lost once since Nurkic wished them a, a nice summer. Yeah. Um, they, I think it's just the tank just job. The tank just job. the tank yeah. job. They turn that. 
the other thing is that I don't think that they actually had a mental edge. I think that part of it was they didn't want like it was a really weird dynamic because like Nurk wasn't necessarily popular in the locker room as a player, but he was really popular as a person. And so they kept like they had this really like familiar relationship right. with him, and they still want good things for him. And I was always like, dude, th- he's like clowning you, yeah, and that's like eating your soul. That's like who he is. Yeah. Is like he wants to like bully you and he's step going on to. You. By the way, in the series, he has taken a role on the Portland team now that he's hurt as the troll god on the side. Yeah, he's like the mascot that they're they're going to cheer the mascot, because yeah. he's hurt and like he's was having a phenomenal season this year, and he would be a huge factor in the series. Um, but I think that more just like um, Denver hit a level this year where they like are just like we're better than these other teams. Yeah. Now Portland, because of where Dame's at right now, right now yeah. is a different beast. But if you look at like the normal Portland yeah. without Nurkic versus normal Denver, then this isn't really a matchup. Right. But the problem is like it's going to be a matchup because Dame's going to make it one. Yeah, the Spurs, the pop factor was for real. The Dame factor, I think, is even more real going into this next one. Um, real quick, we'll just wrap up with this because we're a little long here. Prediction. I can't go yet. i got to think it through. Um, All right, just do this. This is an unofficial soft prediction. Um, my gut we won't even call it a gut. We'll, for, we'll say yeah. gut. My, gut, my, gut my first impression um, is probably Denver in seven. Uh, I don't think that they can – I don't believe – Based off of this series, I think they're going to have one or two like, oh, of course they lost that games. They don't have, I don't think the, I don't think they have the lethality, especially coming in tired, to be able to go in and be like, win both games at home, go into Portland, rip their heart out in game three, end it in five. Like that, it would be the optimum result. I think they're going to be too tired. I, I think Portland's going to fight too hard at home. I agree with that. I think that the shooting can, like, if I don't know how to predict their shooting, they create great looks tonight, and they again just boned it. They won because they played better, but they got to hit shots because the t- thing is, one of the reasons they won the series is because San Antonio's entire shot selection is garbage. They <laughs> hit they hit their good shots, but they don't take enough of them. There was a funny moment when they were down eighteen and like they dribbled into like six mid range, and I was just like, man, this is gonna take forever to yeah. come back. <laughs> yeah, like, they Almost just can't, happened. They can't catch. But Dame, CJ, and and Seth Curry, that is not gonna be the deal in that second round. So. There'll uh, be some big swings in this. There's series. yeah, and there's going to be some. There's going to be a, a sucker punch game. Like there's going to be a sucker punch game that was worse than this round in that next round. And the question is going to be: Can Denver maintain its calm, see the big picture, respond? But I think that they can. I think they win in seven. I have Nuggets in six. I think it's a on the a, road. It's a series that Jokic is going to flourish in. I think it's a great matchup for him, and that's the most important thing. If Jokic gets to do what he wants to do. Denver's obviously closest to the best version of themselves. I do think with Dame, who is amazing, who is probably the has the highest approval rating in the league right now of any star, and 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 is capable of reaching this world beater level. He's he's not quite a LeBron though, or a KD, or a Steph. And I wonder if there's maybe a little bit of prisoner of the moment stuff here because he was so damn good, so damn good in Game Seven. Five. It, uh, in game five, rather, excuse me, that now we're expecting that to be the entire series. And I, for I, sure. And yeah. I, I think he'll be the best player on the floor, but it, I, I mean, he's not going to average 28 points a game, I don't think. We'll probably get into this at some point, and I don't know if we have time before the series starts, but there's a lot of tactical stuff that leans towards Denver. Like, if I get past the, the playoff stuff, 
What's the, what did OKC not do? They didn't blitz him. What does Denver want to do? They want to play Jokic at the level. Uh, what does uh, Portland not have? They've got Myers, Leonard, and Enos Kanter, who are not pick-and-pop threats the way LaMarcus Aldridge is. Uh, what I does, did wonder about that. Are they going to run a bunch of pick-and-roll? I mean... They are. They're going to try and... What they're going to try and do is they're going to try and get Kanter to get everybody in foul trouble. Um, and they're going to try... And Dame's just going to try... What Dame's going to do is Dame's going to try and run him off, off of the pick so much, they're going to try and force the switch, which is why they're going to have to not just hedge, they're going to blitz him. If you blitz him and get the ball out of his hands, you can do that. The biggest thing here is I don't think that anybody... Everybody's going to go into the series thinking that C.J. McCollum has the advantage, and I'll have to go back and look at the tape and see exactly what it says. But I have a lot of faith I think Gary Harris can maintain in the series. They have a lot... There are a lot... To be honest, there's a lot easier matchups in the series defensively for the Nuggets than there were versus the Spurs, which is crazy because the Spurs, again, the shot selection is garbage. But it's like, look, Dame's going to go off for 25. Dame's going to average 30 in this series. That's Dame. But they have Gary Harris to track C.J. McCollum around screens and to force him to run him off screens when McCollum's got some injuries and is a little banged up. Um, and they're able to stick Jamal on Mo Herkulis and say, if Jamal, if Mo Herkulis wants to take turnaround post-ups, he is welcome to do so right. all night long. Paul Millsap versus, versus Al Farouk Aminu is basically, they're the same dude. Aminu's just like not as good and younger. So mm-hmm. it's like it almost balances out. And then you got Jokic versus Kanter, and Kanter's going to have some games, and Jokic is going to have to be ready because there's going to be some nasty stuff in this series from Kanter. But any minute that he's not on the floor. And also, I think next series, I think next series much more of a Mason Plumley series. I think mm, it won't be yeah, as hard for him. I think Monte Morris is going to have a good series. I think there's a lot of, of areas where if you start to look at this tactically, the same way it is with Sixers and Raptors, where a lot of people are like, ooh, like the Sixers bring this, that, and the other, and the Raptors absolutely stomp them in game one. There are tactical advantages here for Denver if they have the energy and the focus and the ability to make good of it. It's going to be exciting. The Nuggets, your Denver Nuggets, are in the second round. I can't... Go ahead, Matt. Uh, a tweet from Mark Stein of the New York Times. Nikola Jokic has never lost a playoff series. Ditto for Jamal Murray. That's a fact. I don't know how you can refute that. It is actually a fact. The Denver Nuggets are in the second round. What a great... Enjoy this one. I implore you to enjoy this one. It's Saturday night. you got Sunday ahead. And then bring that excitement, as we talked about. The nervous energy. Shake it free. This is a, it's a brand new day for the Denver Nuggets. It's official now. A truly brand new day. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. We will be back again on Monday with a brand new episode previewing the second round. Did you just land a, a brand new day? You just you accidentally dragged Moody on the team's first playoff win. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Locked on Nuggets podcast. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and visit us on the web at denverstiffs.com. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.